In this interview, I'll be talking about personal development and the money mindset. Welcome to the Personal Development Mastery Podcast. Stand out, don't fit in. Today I'm delighted to speak with uh, an outstanding and inspiring person, uh, Dr. Harry Singh. Harry, you are a dentist who has been carrying out facial aesthetics uh, since 2002, and you have treated over 5,000 cases. You are a leading light in the UK facial aesthetics profession and a key opinion leader for a number of uh, companies. You were awarded the fellowship of the International Academy for Dental Facial Aesthetics, and you run numerous clinical and non-clinical workshops for your training company, which has won Uh, many awards in the UK, including the winner of the most outstanding business of the year in 2018. Uh, You have also been investing in property since 2002, and you run the Dental Property Club, where you teach professionals to become financially free or give them the opportunity to joint venture in your property projects. Harry Singh, I'm delighted to be speaking with you today. Welcome to the Personal Development Mastery Podcast. Hi, thank you, Abby, for that. And did, were you speaking to my mum? It looks like my mum wrote that introduction and passed <laughs> it over to you there. But uh, thank you and really appreciate the invitation for um, this podcast. Really looking forward to having a chat, conversation, sharing any pearls of wisdom I may have with your audience. It is my pleasure and I will uh, share with uh, the people who are listening that you were one of the first, uh, my first influences in personal development back in 2016, about four years ago, when I started my journey of self-transformation so I learned many things from you at that time and then after a few months I went to Tony Robbins and then everything accelerated so I always remember that and I wanted to speak with you for the podcast for a while. Uh, I need to to my wife that you learned some stuff from me because he never believes me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I direct her to listen to the the podcast. I wanted to start with uh, a little bit of uh, your background. Basically, what I wanted to ask you is if you can give us uh, a key defining moment in your uh, journey of personal development. Yeah, I would say probably a couple of things when I was in my teenage years. One was I remember my parents were immigrants that came from India and they had two jobs working in a normal factory, nine to five, and in a warehouse 6 to 10 p.m so even though we missed out a lot on the growing opportunities but that instilled in me the work ethic so it doesn't matter what background you come in whether you've got a rich successful family behind you you're better looking than me or um, better personality no one can outwork you so that's always been one of my defining moments outwork the competition because that is in your control also, because of that work ethic, I would, where all my friends were going on summer holidays, um, relaxing. I was having um, warehouse jobs as well in John Lewis Dictions and the newspaper round every morning. 
And it was one of those newspaper rounds where I was on a Sunday and I was doing the Sunday newspapers. As you know, most Sunday newspapers, have a, they're quite bulky and I used to hate the Sunday mornings because <laughs> magazines, supplements, etc. And one of the guys um, that was living newspapers, because I was always early, always come early when you expect it. So he always um, appreciated me. And he left a note saying, oh, keep the newspaper, I'm on holiday. And it was the Sunday time. So went back home, read the newspaper, and I looked at, and it just happened to be by fate, the Sunday Times Rich List, which comes out once a year. Mm-hmm. And I was reading that. And what struck me, two things. One, they're all self-made in terms of business. So I knew I didn't want to be working for anyone else. So you need to create your own destiny, your own financial success. And two, 50% of people that were on the list had made their money by property. So either they had successful businesses and were reinvesting the profits in property or they were property developers or property investors. So I knew from an early age, work hard, be your own boss and get into property somehow. Mm-hmm. What made you become a dentist? Because that is uh, that doesn't sound <laughs> yeah, doesn't very sound- much relevant to what you just said. Now. Yeah. Two, two things. One was being from typical Indian parents. They said either become a doctor or a dentist. And so I went to the library, um, got a careers book. Remember those days when we had libraries and no internet? And I looked, okay, who earns more money, a dentist or a doctor? And it said dentist. <laughs> went to my local dentist and said, oh, can I have a couple of days work experience just to see what it's like? I saw his car. I saw his watch. I saw his dental nurse. I go, okay, I'm having some of that. So that <laughs> became a dentist um i did obviously want to do um stuff like i was like acting and that kind of stuff um and also parents look out for you because obviously in our culture they plan everything is planned towards getting married to obviously find a suitable partner mm-hmm. and so obviously they parents were acting in your best interest okay how can my son get the best partner he needs to have a good degree good job so obviously that's where they came from that background become a doctor become a dentist mm-hmm. and it's quite funny because i say the opposite to my kids don't ever become a dentist um so that was it is either doctor or dentist and and dentistry i knew i could own a practice or practices so there was some business element to that so um yeah dentistry was and i was actually good at sciences so biology chemistry etc so i knew that would fit in um mm-hmm. so yeah it was 99% was parents' direction, and 1% was I did have an interest in business sciences, so I thought that would be a good fit for myself. Also, um, I want to make myself stand out, so I never want to do what the crowd did. So I looked in my family, and no one was a dentist. There were a couple of doctors, but no one was a dentist. I go, okay, I want to be the first dentist in our family. So that was the reason I became. But I knew even within two weeks of dental school, um, most other people really passionate, um, um, interested, excited about dentistry. I wasn't one of those people. So I knew that I was going to not do dentistry for 20, 30, 40 years, unlike my peers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now it's been many years since you practiced uh, clinical dentistry. Uh, any milestone moments in your change growing out of, of that? 
Yeah, I say because obviously I've got the dental property coming up. There a lot of dentists, especially this period of time with the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, the lockdown. They say we want to give up dentistry. We're going to hand our notice in next week. I also would never recommend that because you need to transition it. Because with property, you don't know if you're going to like it. Because the first deal is to uh, get over your fear. Mm-hmm. Second deal is to build some experience, and the third deal is to find out if you actually like it, if you've got a passion for it. So I would say I was obviously doing dentistry full time Monday to Saturday, but in the evenings going to property networking events, educating myself, looking at property deals, and then I built up my property portfolio in the background while I was still a full time dentist. Okay. And then that would give me the flexibility, the choice. Okay. Do I cut down dentistry? Do I give it? So I cut down my dentistry to four days, three days, two days. Eventually, the property portfolio took overtook my income from dentistry. I go, okay, I don't need to do dentistry. I don't enjoy it. Um, I'm going to stop. So it doesn't mean people have to go. It's hard to become a dentist, and there's a lot of sunken time and costs. I'm not saying you have to give up dentistry, but you've got a better pension pot or alternative source of income. And what I did find when I had my property income, I actually started enjoying dentistry because I wasn't reliant on the dental income. I knew I didn't have to work. When you have to do something, you don't enjoy it as much. Um, Because I wasn't on the dental income, I could choose the cases, choose the patients, choose the hours I wanted to work. And I actually enjoyed it. And then because I reached financial freedom back in 2007, Mm-hmm. And I could have given up dentistry, but I continued for another five years because I was enjoying what I was actually doing, maybe only one or two days a week. And I find that with a lot of dentists that are stuck in the NHS because they're forced to do it. And when they go private, they start enjoying it because they can spend more time with the patients, do more quality work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend anyone to obviously stop their income source, transition, build up their network, their education, their experience, and then have that flexibility of choosing what they want to do. Sure, that's great. And uh, now you have been doing uh, facial aesthetics instead of uh, dentistry, and you're obviously very passionate about yeah. that. I wanted to ask, what is it that you're passionate about facial aesthetics? Yeah, so facial aesthetics happened back in 2007 when I was just doing dentistry, and it's actually repeating the cycle history right now. We had the recession, and my dentistry went down by about. 100% and my facial aesthetics went up by 200% because um, people pay for what they want. So people appreciate the patients, my facial aesthetics patients appreciate what I do. It's a wants, needs, wants business compared to a needs business. So people look forward to it. People will pay for what they want, not what they need. So it's actually not really, I'm not actually selling anything. You don't have to convince the patient to go for your treatment because they want that particular service. Mm-hmm. And I was never into hard, pushy sales when you know it's in the best interest of your dental patient, but they can't afford it. So you feel like a pushy salesperson. So with facial aesthetics, they want it. They're willing to pay for it. And they appreciate what you do. Also, it's repeat business. So especially with, say, botulinum toxin, only last three to four months, they have to come back every three to four months. So unless you're a really bad dentist, you're not going to be redoing that crown every three to four months. Yeah. <laughs> and you get paid for it when they keep on coming back. So, yeah, and you can chat to the patient. If you haven't got anything stuck in their mouth, like dental mirrors, probes, you can have a conversation, um, and you can have a joke and a laugh with them. So um, it does not feel like work. So that's mm-hmm. why I enjoy it, still do it. 
and love it. Awesome. So we talk about uh, personal development, uh, and I wanted your point of your some elements of your journey in in personal development so when did you start and maybe who were your big influences that uh, changed you as a person yeah and I, I followed a journey where I think a lot of people did I wasn't didn't know that personal development was an interest in personal development so I would go in all these dental courses business courses and I was learning about the strategies And mm-hmm. sometimes I would implement and sometimes I wouldn't. And then, I mean, this was back in 99, 2000. And then some of the core business courses I went to were talking a little bit about personal development mindset, but they would add it on like 10, 15 minutes at the end of the workshop. And I would turn off and I would either leave because I go, I'm not interested in that. It's not going to make any difference. Really then obviously I was a big believer in reflection. So I was looking at, I've always had a diary, what worked that year, what didn't work. And it was a scary before that 20, only 20% of the courses I went to, I was implementing 80% I wasn't. So I was going, okay, what can I do about this? And, and I was just Googling business courses and I came across um, Tony Robbins and he was doing a business course. So I listened to that, but his actual program, and you mentioned it, that you went to as well, um, unleashed the power within in terms of his four-day course which he was holding at Excel so that was yeah, my yeah. first personal development course I went to and that was in 2002 mm-hmm. and I went in there and I go oh my god it's like a pop concert there must have been like 80,000 <laughs> people there and I obviously read I've just been used to normal workshops business boring courses you just sit down and then he comes in his voice his personality was just amazing like oh my god i'm glued to it and then typical course of guy case one o'clock where's the lunch and he's just going on there's no lunch break and people are eating their food I go, okay they, and obviously i love my food but he was so inspiring there's nine o'clock at night I go when's the break and there was a break and i said this guy just going on and on and i go okay this guy not he was a lot older than me at that stage I'll go, okay, where's he getting his energy from, his drive, his passion? And then obviously on the fourth day, he talks about nutrition. Mm-hmm. Obviously during the day, he talks about mindset. And I would say that was my first journey into personal development 2002. And he mentioned his guru, his mentor, Jim, Jim Collins? Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn, yeah, Jim Rohn. Um, talked about him. And so I got into his books, his personal development, And in those days, it was cassettes. Do you remember those cassettes? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm old enough to remember yeah. the, the cassette tapes. Yeah. yeah, And I just loved it. And I could see a combination of personal development, also my health and mindset. My business skyrocketed. And where I earned the most money and were most successful was when I was looking at my mindset, my personal development, and also my health and my fitness levels. Mm-hmm. So we all went into it. And Jim Rowan goes, the bigger the why, the easier the how. So he said 80% of your success is why, 20% is how the dynamics, the strategies. And I was like everyone else, just concentrating the strategies, um, dynamics, how to do it. But as I said, because when I, I do teaching like yourself, and I give the same course material to all the delegates, the same teaching, the same experience, Half of them will make it work, half them won't. And as you said, it's trying to find why don't they make it work. And it's because it's their why, 
their personal development, their mindset, what's the reason they're doing it. And even from now on, so I got into personal development in 2002. Even now, I'm spending, I would say, at least 10 grand a year, at least a week a year on personal development resources, whether it's courses, books, training, mentoring, coaches, mm-hmm. etc. That is my priority every year. I'm always building on that foundation. What is there any other course or program, anything that stands out and that would you would say that it made a big impact uh, on your uh, growth? Um, in terms of personal, I'll say yeah, Tony Robbins, Jim Rowan. Um, my memory's going black now. Who's um, T. R. Becker? He T. R. Becker. Yeah, uh-huh. he was good in terms of money mindset, which yes. I would definitely recommend. Um, went on to his three-day live experience because obviously your money beliefs will affect how much money you're going to be earning. Um, Zig Zagler, he was another one that was good. So it's all these guys. Um, and what you find when the newer guys come on the market, they're just repurposing, recycling the original material. So why not learn from the um, original sources? So yeah, Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, Zig Zagler, T.R. Becker, mm-hmm. all the main Obviously, I've got financial guys like Robert Kiyosaki, Keith Cunningham, which okay. is to do with finances and property, etc. But in terms of personal development, it will be those four guys. And I'm always a strong believer. If you can see them, obviously, a couple of them have unfortunately passed away. But if you can see these people live, um, I'm all into books. I read one hour every day. But I would say live events, you're going to get that experience, that environment. And you're going to take a lot, much, much more in. So I know obviously Tony Robbins still does the four days. Obviously he doesn't do the four days himself, all of it. Um, but definitely get onto his program if you can. Mm, yeah, that for me was a big, big uh, change uh, in my. I lost about four yeah. stones in that four days because everyone started <laughs> jumping around. Yeah, what you said about the energy it was incredible, and that energy would uh, rub off from the stage to the participants. Yeah, yeah. So I remember the third day we started at eight o'clock in the morning or something, and at some point it was one a.m. after midnight, and we were all still jumping up and down, and uh, it was yeah. incredible. It's amazing. From the outside, it looks like a cult or stuff, but obviously it's not. But yeah, the energy and what you can do with the firewalk and stuff. And I, I've, been on, I've been on it twice. I went in 2002 mm-hmm. and then 2007 again. I took a couple of my colleagues as well. All right. Okay. Yeah, I've been twice as well. The second time I was uh, a crew member. So think, yeah. it's something that uh, I enjoy giving back to the, the community. Um, Harry, let's talk about uh, something that you have... Uh, developed or you teach yourself in regards to personal and professional development so it is the those four pillars that you mentioned the the acronym wars so do you want to guide us through through that and what what it is and uh, its importance yeah thank you so yeah so i use acronym wars because it's an internal battle that you're fighting every day because you see these people and i call it the facebook lifestyle which is actually probably the Facebook lifestyle. Everyone's motivated. Everyone's doing really well. Everyone's doing 20 implants in the morning, 200 press-ups, getting to their Ferrari. The kids have made them a um, aloe vera juice, etc. <laughs> yeah. So everyone puts their best parts on there. So it is a battle because obviously people do get influenced and they think their life is not as good, etc. 
So I use acronym WARS, W-A-R-S. So W stands for watch and observe successful people. So studies have shown that your net worth, network, network, sorry, and income is within 10% of the five to six people you hang around the most. So when I was investing in property, I'd zero properties, I'll be speaking to people that had two, three properties. Once I had five properties, I'll be speaking to people that had 10 properties. Once I had 10, I'd be speaking to someone on that 20. They're doing something different to what I'm doing. And I talk about mastermind and mentoring um, in um, Napoleon Hill books, Think and Grow Rich. He talks about the um, power of the mastermind. Mm -hmm. So who are you hanging around with? Who are your friends? So when I was on my healthy fitness regime, I decided not to socialize with all my drinking friends. Because obviously, if I go out with them, they're going to say, let's go to the pub, let's have a donut kebab. And that was not in sync with what I was trying to achieve. So you've got to look at who the five to six people you're hanging around with. And I use this example. So I'm very competitive at sports. So me and my family, my wife and my kids were at Centre Parks. We were having a game of pool, played against the kids first, wanted to beat them. But if I missed a few shots, I got a bit upset, but not too angry. Then I played against my wife. I wanted to eight ball her, make her cry, make her scream. I upped my game to a different level. So are you playing with kids or are you playing with adults? Because if you are the least successful, the poorest in your group, you're up your game to get to the same level. So it's important who you're hanging around with. So that's the first one. W, watch and observe successful people. Then A stands for the opposite. Avoid negative people. So call them BMWs, bitches, moaners, whiners. They all they always have a problem for every solution. And doing my workshops, what I do, I get um, people to take their mobile phone out and say, delete one negative person from your contacts. Because they would just drain their energy from you. They always say it's not a good idea. I remember when I got from dentistry to property and gave dentistry, people say it's a waste of time, you're going to regret it. You're going to be back in dentistry within two years. Those same people are now phoning me, go, can you help me? I want to get out of dentistry. And sometimes the most negative people are your family. So my parents still tell everyone I'm a dentist. Um, they're too embarrassed to say that I gave up dentistry, etc. So just be wary of certain family members. And uh, you'll get this joke, the younger generation that are digital won't. So some people are so negative when they enter a dark room, they start developing. <laughs> so, so avoid negative people. So that's the aim. R is be an avid reader. So as I mentioned, I read one hour every day from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And I read for 45 minutes. What was happening, I was reading books and it, I did that task, but I wasn't really implementing. So I'd read for 45 minutes and then the last 15 minutes I would implement. Okay. What did I underline? What did I learn from those last 45 minutes? What do I need to take action on? Because people say, I want to read 100 books in a year. That's good. But why you, what's the point if you're not going to be taking action? So there's going to be personal development books, business books, mindset, um, physical health books, etc. And then the last one, S stands for sloppy success is better than perfect failure. So for the dentist listeners, this is quite hard. Because of the nature of our job, we have to be perfectionists. But that puts you off in life. So no one, let's say you're going to work in the morning, no one sits in their car 
and says, I'm not leaving my driveway unless all the traffic lights are green. That's never going to happen. You're going to have red traffic lights, diversions, roundabouts. What you are after is progress, not perfection. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when I set up my um, dental business, then one of my dental clinics, they said you need a website, you need a brochure. Most people would do it that way. I did the opposite. I need to earn money first. Let's set it up, open it, get patients in, start making money, and then reinvest that money in the website and the brochure. So, W, watch and observe successful people. A, avoid negative people. R, become an avid reader. And S, sloppy success is better than perfect failure. That's awesome. Thank you for that. And uh, I want to discuss a little bit more the R, the becoming an avid reader. Uh, yeah. There are two things. The first, I, I remember something that I heard from you back in 2016. It was the, the difference between uh, self-development and self-development. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, You know, you mentioned that you read for an hour a day and the, the, the last 15 minutes of the hour, you uh, try to see what you can implement out yeah. of that. Uh, and I agree that it is very important to actually take the action because that's what I was doing for a very long time, reading the books, yeah. but not doing anything with the knowledge. Yeah, I was the same. I'd read a whole book from page one to the end and then put it on the side and leave it on the shelf and thinking by some kind of magic osmosis, mm -hmm. the knowledge will go in my brain and I'll take action. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, and I'll, we've all done it. <laughs> yeah. Any books in particular that you read over the last uh, few months that uh, you say that they are exceptional, that you would like to recommend or that they made a big uh, impact in the way that you do things? Yeah, um, there's a couple of books. One is called Deep Work. Mm -hmm. by Cal Newport. Um, that's a really book in terms of how to get focused work, avoiding distractions, avoiding going on social media, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. So that's with really good practical examples. And it's quite funny because one of the examples he gives is um, when, um, what's her name? Who's the author of Harry Potter? Um, Uh, now my J.K. Rowling, J.K. Yes. Rowling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when she was struggling with Wonder Books, she booked a hotel in central London for uh -huh. £300 for the day and just spent eight hours in the hotel room because she had a nice surround, nice environment, and she got the book completed. And I actually did used to do that, but there's a premier, premier inn near me, near my house, and if I was struggling, I would just, and I know the porter, pay £40, book the room for the day, or say I'll get some funny looks for booking the room in the daytime, and then just stay in that room and get a lot of work because there's no phone there, no um, computer, and get my work done for that eight hours. And he talks about a disconnect day, which I've been doing for a while, one day a month, go to a spa, book a couple of treatments, have no phone, no one can contact me, and you get some really great ideas. With your, you've got some free thinking, some white space, And some of my best ideas have come on those days. My wife thinks I'm, it's just an excuse to have a massage for the day. So, <laughs> so that's one of the books I've just been reading last week. So um, Deep Work by Cal Newport, Cal C-A-L, Newport. And the other one is Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt. Okay. H-Y-A-T, I think it is. Mm -hmm. um, free to Focus and talking about having... 
arranging your schedule, your timetable, your daily routines. And one of the things I've picked from his is about the delegation. And he has different levels of delegation because where people go wrong, they delegate, but they don't give clear instructions. And so the lowest level of delegation would be, okay, this is what, what I want you exactly to do. And no deviation from that. Come back in two days' time with this. Then the other extreme is, okay, I want to write a blog on how sun can damage your skin. You do what you want, research it, write it, post it. So there's different extremes. And in the middle, there would be, I want you to write this blog. And these are the bullet points I want you to cover, et cetera. And then the lowest extreme is, this is a blog, I want you to post it. So people don't know there's different levels of delegation. So I thought that was quite a good insight for me. But yeah, free to focus. He has a planner diary that you can buy in addition to it in terms of what's the main projects you want to do. And also, yeah, how to manage your day because there's a lot of admin distractions that we get. And he talks about having three emails. One's your personal email. One's your business email. Mm -hmm. One's a private business email that no one knows apart from two people. Maybe your PA and someone that's high up in your business. Mm -hmm. And only so that your personal emails, obviously, for your personal use, your business emails answered by your PA. But it looks like it's been answered from you. Obviously, you have to train them, give them scripts. And then the only things that they cannot answer, they forward onto your private business email that no one knows. Mm -hmm. Then you reply on that behalf, and then they respond to the person. Because what was happening, I was say going out for a day, coming back, I'm at 50 emails to answer. Now I'm getting only two to three. Because mm -hmm. no, you don't get any spam in that private one, but it's not advertised anywhere. And then your PA admin person can only send you stuff that they can't answer. And that will save you a lot of time. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. That's a, it's a brilliant uh, structuring of, of yeah. emails because it's a, it's a, a plague uh, dealing with emails. It's, yeah, yeah. it's very easy to get overwhelmed and have hundreds of emails if you don't uh, strategize in a, yeah. in a way. Definitely. <laughs> Harry, uh, let's talk about something else which it's in your area of expertise. And that's money, the psychology of money. And uh, I wanted your thoughts. I remember some things that uh, I heard from you or read it in your book. That uh, you, There were two things, actually. One was okay. that your net worth can never exceed your self-worth. And the other was that uh, your income zone can never exceed your comfort zone. Yeah. So uh, talk to me about the psychology of money, the mindset of money. How can someone turn it around if they're struggling with that? Yeah. And where people go wrong, they look at the strategy. So they'll go online or go on a course and say, okay, I need to spend this, do this, etc. But it's all to do with your money beliefs, which you touched on. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, your income can only grow to the extent that you can grow. So that's why I'm still doing personal development, going on personal development courses, business courses, always learning. And your net worth is your network. So in terms of who you're hanging around with. So it's a bit like T.R. Becker really explains, it's like a money thermostat. There will be a level that you set your money point at. So it's like a thermostat in your room so you set your thermostat at a particular temperature if you open the window it's going to get colder your thermostat's going to increase 
if you put heating on that room, the thermostat's going to decrease, but eventually it's going to go to your money thermostat. So everyone has a money thermostat internally, and this comes from your money beliefs, your education, what you were taught by your parents or what you saw your parents did. That would be your money thermostat. So for some people, their money thermostat could be my maximum income I'm going to earn is five grand a month. And when they earn more than that, they will find ways of spending that extra money so it brings it down to five grand a month. And if their income goes down to two grand, they're going to be innovative, add value to make their income go back to their five grand because that's what their baseline is. And one of the things, obviously, my parents, because they had two jobs, not much when they saved everything. And that was one of my mistakes. I was old, I would never spend any money. So I would have the money, but quite a miserable lifestyle because I wasn't spending the money. Other people could have had parents that were living beyond their means, overspending holidays, two holidays a year, the uh, latest fashion, etc., branded goods. And the kids have got onto that. And because their income doesn't support that, they're always going to be in debt. So you need to find out what your money thermostat is, where do your money beliefs come from? Mm-hmm. So that would be the first thing. Then the second one is obviously the strategies, which is only 20%. And I divide it into two parts. One, making money, which is going to be passive income, investment income. So income derived not from your own efforts. So that's like property, shares, forex, etc. But the most important part is not actually keeping the money, it's how, I'm sorry, making the money, is how much money you keep. So we talk about savings and simplify. So quickly brief savings. So what I would do every month before I've spent a single penny, I'll divide it into different jars. Mm-hmm. They used to be six jars, but before that was before the lockdown uh, coronavirus. I've changed that now because there's going to be a few financial issues coming post-lockdown. So what I do now is my monthly income comes in, 50% of that I put away for tax because um, our taxes are going to go up. There's no way about it because obviously government are getting all this money, grants, loans. They're going to have to get that money somewhere. And you can see the changes already. For example, the contestant charge in London, they've increased it and made it seven days a week. So that's the signs that our tax is going to go up. So 50% of my money is taken into, uh, let's put that aside for my um, tax elements. Then I've got 50% left. A third of that, I'm going to do on my living expenses. So 33%, so a third of the 50% goes on my living expenses. That's your mortgage, rent, utility bills, food, accommodation. Then a third of that, I'm going to be investing. So that's going to be investing in my education, but investing in property as well. Mm-hmm. And the remaining third, I'm going to have as a cash buffer. I'm going to leave it as cash because we don't know if there's going to be a second, third wave, what's going to happen. So I want some cash buffer. So I've got 100% of my income coming in. 50% will go for tax. The remaining 50% are divided into three ways. One, a third for living expenses. Third, for personal development investment and property investment. And then a third as a cash. So that is, yeah, your money believes, and then obviously how much money you keep. Awesome. Um, in terms of the money thermostat that you mentioned and the money yeah. believes, how would you advise someone to 
change the thermostat. If, if they realize that, yes, I indeed have a thermostat and it's set there, and I would like to have more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of my mentors, he always said to me, and um, it might be to your better, he said, okay, let's say you're, you, you want to earn 100,000 in the year, mm -hmm. add an extra zero to it. So anything you have a goal for, just mm -hmm. add an extra zero. So instead of 100,000, I'm going to be aiming for a million. You'll have a different, completely different mindset, <laughs> different activities, different goals um, to aim for that million pounds. You may hit it, which is wonderful. If you don't hit it, I guarantee you're going to be hitting more than 100,000 than your original plan. So whatever your goal is, just add an extra zero to it, and then you'll have a different mindset. You'll become a different person to aim for that goal. Also, there'll be less competition in that arena because everyone aims for the mediocre, normal, play it safe. Aim for the ex extraordinary. Add an extra zero. That is probably the simplest way to change your money belief. Amazing. That's that's a fantastic uh, concept. <laughs> I didn't tell that to my wife because he'll spend an extra <laughs> I suppose there is a spending thermostat as well yeah. as the making thermostat. <laughs> um, there is a, one other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, money uh, beliefs and money mindset. The advantage is the, uh, let's say the differentiation or the conflict between time and money. So rich people spend uh, money to save time. Poor people yeah. spend uh, time to save money. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, really good question, Aggie. So yeah, so this time versus money. One of those resources is limited. The other resource is unlimited. So time is limited. And I use the examples. Let's say you're walking along the beach and you see a lamp. You rub the lamp and the genie pops up. And the genie says to you, I'm not going to give you three wishes. I'm going to give you one wish, which is I'm going to give you £86,400. Every day, I'm going to give you £86,400. But one day, I'm going to stop giving you that money. But I'm not going to tell you when. Anything you've got left over from day one, from the £86,400, you cannot carry it forwards to the next day. So most people say, okay, we don't want to waste that money. We're going to make the most of that money, invest there, not waste it. But substitute £86,400 with seconds. Every day you are given £86,400 seconds. Next day you're given £86,400 seconds. One day, unfortunately, it's going to pass away, not to sound too morbid. But also anything you've wasted on day one or not used up, you cannot carry it forward. So that's the importance of time. And T.R. Becker said, same again, rich people will spend money to save time, poor people will spend time to save money. And I fell for this trick. A decade ago now, my um, wife said to me, okay, oh, we had a baby girl. So she goes, oh, can you make this some um, cot for her? So I said, okay, it only take me 20 minutes. Two to three hours later, I was still on my back with a broken back, sweating like anything. <laughs> And it's half the half the screws are missing. So I, I thought, okay, instead of spending money, I thought I saved time. That three hours has gone. I'm never going to get it back. Yeah. You got to work out how much your hourly rate is worth. If my hourly rate is worth five hundred pounds, I've wasted fifteen hundred pounds. I could have paid someone a hundred pounds to fix that cop. 
a year later, once I learned about that strategy, same game, my wife goes to me, can you tidy up the garage? She goes, it, only, it will only take you half an hour. I knew it wouldn't take me half an hour. So I paid someone £100, took them two hours to tidy the garage. Those two hours, I could find a property deal that would have made me forty grand. So rich people spend money to save time. Poor people spend time to save money. And I've actually gone to extreme. I really hardly do anything myself. So <laughs> I delegate order. The only thing I actually do is speaking, like with mm-hmm. me and you, and at courses and lectures, order other admin, emails, booking rooms, printing handouts, doing all that other stuff. It's done by someone else. I just mm-hmm. pay PA to do it because my time is precious. And especially dentists, I hate most of they're not very good at delegating. I've been to loads of dental practices where they're on their hands and knees, changing the printer cartridge or changing the light bulb. Get someone else to do it. Focus on only income generating procedures. Awesome. Thank you for that, Harry. Um, one other thing I wanted to your opinion on is uh, mastermind groups and mentors. How have they uh, their importance in growth and success? Yeah, I'll say um, mentoring has been really, and I prefer that um, style of learning because obviously you have a, when you have your normal workshops, people you're going to go the teacher's going to get the pace of the slowest learner. Mm-hmm. And what I found, I have been not bigging myself. I've been quite proactive. I always implement. So whatever people say, this is your homework to do, I always implement. And I was, I would always get frustrated in group workshops where you would go at the slow, the speed of the slowest person. I go, I've already done this. Why are they covering this? So I do prefer mentoring because then I could go at my pace. I would do the work. Also, it's a lot going to be a higher cost in terms of time and money. Mm-hmm. And because I've made that commitment, I will follow it through because if a mentoring is charging me three grand for the day, that's not cheap. I'm going to make sure I work and make use of that mentor, use them and implement what they've taught me or what they go over. So that is my thinking. And same game mastermind. I've been part of, I run numerous masterminds like yourself. And the power of the group the environment, the accountability, but you have to be very careful who you choose on your mastermind. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, when I do my masterminds local with local business people, 80% of the people that want to join, I say no to, what are they going to bring to the table? So it's, as I said, it's with that um, center part. Are you playing with kids or are you playing with um, adults? Because when I, mean, I was part of a couple of masterminds, I would have a couple of people that were just new business owners. And it'd be so frustrating, the questions they would ask, because they've got no idea about business. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone's got to learn. So I said, okay, you're better doing this course or that workshop, etc. So you want to have in your mastermind people that are doing stuff that you want to do or are where you want to be. And then you will grow. But obviously, you need to make sure you can bring something to the table doesn't mean obviously you may not have the experience as them but you could bring something else you may be a website designer you may be an uh, internet marketing expert etc you may if it's property you may be an estate agent with loads of deals that you have access to so it does not necessarily mean that you've got the skills or expertise but it could be something else that you bring to the table so with the mastermind is what other people bring to the table and what can you bring to the table mm-hmm. and i've been doing yeah meeting once a month 
have a strict agenda. Everyone's got to follow their agenda in terms of minutes of the meeting. What I prefer with masterminds, like having a hot seat where someone's there, like a mastermind seat, and okay, what's your biggest problem? 10 minutes, everyone um, shoots the breeze, ideas, then you narrow it down. Because when you have people in different businesses, it doesn't really matter because business is business. You'll learn, okay, and I'm maybe good at picking up ideas from different businesses and making it into my dental and facial aesthetics business when I had the dentistry because what I find with a lot of dentists, they go to all the same course, learn from the same people. Mm -hmm. Everyone has the same ideas. But if you're looking outside your industry, you'll pick up a lot of ideas that you can translate to your own business. I can certainly agree with that. I know what you mean. Thank yeah. you very much, Harry. Let me ask you some uh, quick fire questions as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what does uh, personal development mean to you? Expanding your mind and not being limited by your beliefs. Awesome. If you could go back in time and meet your 20-year-old self, what's the one piece of advice you would give him? Stop drinking and <laughs> stop going out all the time and, <laughs> and get into personal development mindset as soon as possible. So that's mm -hmm. the, I don't have many regrets because I don't be getting into dentistry because I wouldn't have met dentists like yourself and, and other people. So, but yeah, I, I didn't start earlier in terms of personal development mindset because if I had that mindset at the beginning, I could have achieved a lot more. I did the hard way, man, did the business strategies first, then looked at the mindset. Yeah. I think in a way we have to go through the, those adversities or the journey that we go through in life because if we had a, a button and we could just press it and uh, achieve success automatically, it would really not cause us to grow into the person that we grow yeah, into. Yeah, it becomes too easy for you, then you don't appreciate them. And when yeah. you have to struggle and work for you, you appreciate it a lot more. Definitely. Absolutely. Harry, if you had a, a magic wand and you could wave it and change something in the world as it is today, what would that be? I would say financial education for all school children. Because we are not taught, because school teaches you to get a job, get educated, get a job. It does not teach you financial intelligence, financial education, financial freedom. So I would say, yeah, financial education from to be taught at all schools. Mm. Great. Is there any major aha moment you had over the last few years that you wanted to share with us? I will say it's more, yeah, when my parents were working hard, speaking to my other things, obviously they missed our childhood and that was the thing. And the biggest regret they had, obviously, they had to do it because we had no money, so they had to work two jobs to get the money to support us. So I don't um, begrudge that, but they biggest we get was they didn't spend time with us would see us growing up. And when they could see us growing up, we were in our 18, 19, 20s, we, we had our own life. So mm -hmm. the biggest thing I made was to make sure I was financially free before I had kids or when my kids were very young. So while I was, my kids were one, two, three, four, I spent a lot of time at home mm -hmm. and I was dropping them off at primary school, going to their concerts, activities, sports day. Actually, it's a funny story. It's one of my daughter's sports day. They had a dad's 100 meters race and I won 
only because I was the only dad in the place. <laughs> there. But it was like in the middle of the day where everyone else was working. And it was quite funny when I dropped the kids off. I was in my jogging bottoms, baseball cups. Everyone thought I had no job. I was unemployed because I go, no dads were here. So I and the kids love that go, our oh, dad's that only dad dropping us off. And they still talk about it. Now. Do you remember that race? Do you remember that? And also going on, I know you only asked for one, but also being a role model for my kids. Mm-hmm. Kids will look at what you do, not what you say. So I could say to them, eat healthy, exercise, but if I'm not doing it, they're not going to listen, not going to do it. When I get into my fitness, I'm exercising twice a day, eating healthy. They want to go on their bike. They want to go jogging, enter half marathons. They want to eat the fruit instead of the crisp and the Mars bar and the chocolate. So it's not, especially for those that have got kids, be a leader, be a role model. They will do what you do, not what you say. That's great. Um, is there any big mistake that you've made over the last few years that you would like to share so people can avoid doing the, the same thing? Yeah, I made loads of mistakes. <laughs> more in terms of property, I would say those are more specific in terms of property mistakes, buying overseas, buying new build, keeping everything. And in terms of personal, I'll say, yeah, I'll say sacrificing health for wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in my own, I was busy building up my property because working as a dentist, doing the property stuff in the evening. I was always had the excuse I never had time to exercise. Um, but the biggest gift you can give your kids is being healthy, staying mm-hmm. alive for the longest time possible. Because once you're gone, that's going to be a void in their life. So do not sacrifice health for wealth. So I'll say, and I, luckily I learned before it was too late. And I've got a nice balance in terms of exercising, eating and building businesses. Um, but yeah, I would say that's the biggest mistake. I was sacrificing money, financial, wealth building mm-hmm. for my health. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Harry, is there something you have changed your mind about in the last few years? Um, no, I wouldn't say. People always surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> I was saving it for the... <laughs> yeah, because, um, in terms of... Yeah, I say... Because obviously I run numerous courses and they're not cheap. And mm-hmm. I value people's time and the money they spend. And it's a scary, I would say, less than 5% take action, implement and do it, whether it's facial aesthetics um, and property investing. Mm-hmm. So what surprises me is they've spent that time spent that money, 95% have done nothing with it. Um, I'm always surprised with that stat and the reason why. As you said, if you can find out the reason why they don't do it, etc. Because yeah, we're, we're looking at thousands of pounds and mm-hmm. some of the courses are three days. So that's like three days where they could have spent with their family or their hobbies. So if you're sacrificing that much time and money, my, my mindset is I would make it work. But only 5% of people do. I'm so surprised 95% don't. I suppose it has to do something with the, the inner dialogue or the self-doubt or fears or something that... Uh... Yeah, there's numerous reasons. Obviously, some people maybe just course junkies and just want to get uh, into a course because it breaks the routine, but then... Sure, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Harry, is there anything you were hoping I would ask you and I completely missed it? Um, what do I want? What's my next drink at the pub? <laughs> <laughs> When they reopen, you mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think I go say, obviously, like a morning routine. I know you're quite keen on morning routines, etc. So how you set up for the rest of the day. I don't have a like. A, I know some people have their hour of power, etc. I don't. I haven't got um, time to do one hour of meditation, breathing, etc. So I have. People are going to laugh at this. I wake up in the morning. First thing I say to myself is. Good morning, good morning. It's a great day to be alive. Because if you've made it in the morning, you're one in a million. It's a scary stat that a million people die every day. So if you've woken up, you're one in a million. You'll be happy that you're alive. Then I do my fasted cardio for half an hour, 40 minutes. And then I do have like a 10-minute ritual, and I divide that into three minutes. So it's actually nine minutes. The first three minutes is gratitude. What am I grateful for? Family, business, being alive, being healthy, where I live. Because we can always complain, but number one of my mentors says, your problems are someone else's dreams. So never, don't complain ever. Mm. In three minutes, I'll concentrate on what I'm planning to do today. What are my three big projects? What are my three big phone calls? What do I need to um, achieve during the day? And then I have three minutes of just breathing, mindfulness, just practice my breathing, but just have thoughts coming to me, what's around, etc. So it only takes nine minutes, and that's all I do. So good morning, great to be alive, my exercise, and then nine minutes or three minutes of gratitude, three minutes of what I want to do today, three minutes of breathing, mindfulness, and that sets me up for the rest of the day. That's fantastic. Uh, Harry? How can people connect with you? Where would you direct them if you if they want to find out more about you? Yeah, so there's a couple of um, websites we have. One is Dental Property Club, um, dentalpropertyclub.co.uk. That's also to do with financial feed and property investing. The other one is botulinumtoxinclub.co.uk. That's the facial aesthetics um, mm-hmm. arm of it. But they can con- um, connect with me with Dr. Harry Singh on Instagram and I think it's Harry Singh 72 on Facebook. Um, so social media handles are fine. That's brilliant. I want to thank you very much, Harry, for uh, your this conversation, for your time, for uh, your wisdom shared uh, with uh, me today. My pleasure. Um, any parting words? Now, I said, obviously, everyone's at different stages in their life. As you said, the beginning of the journey is never the end. Enjoy the journey. It's not about the end goal because as a dentist, I was saying, yeah, I was going to say work for 30, 40 years, retire, enjoy my life. But I wasn't enjoying the journey. So you're not enjoying the journey. Don't wait for the end destination. It's about the journey. If you do anything before you sign up for any courses, except to get your mindset, your personal development first, then have a look at strategies after that and listen to listen to aggie's podcast <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much harry uh, i wish you all the very best uh, a real pleasure to speak with you today thank you and can't wait to see you in the ver- in the real world as soon as possible thank you thank you Thank you very much for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate and review Personal Development Mastery on Apple Podcasts.
If you want to know more about me and how I can help you, join my Facebook group Personal Development Mastery. The link is in the show notes or you can simply type bit.ly slash pdm group. And until next time, stand out, don't fit in.